welcome to Coffee, Chew, and a Chat. I'm your host, Sahir Gill. I'm a current professional hockey player and aspiring entrepreneur. Every episode features a conversation with a guest centering around their career, their passion, and the journey to discovering how to connect the two. If you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. If you're looking to discover your true calling, listen weekly to guests that were in your shoes and learn their story. Now, to the interview. Welcome back to Coffee Tuna Chat. This week, I'm joined by Connor Lean. Connor was a standout at the University of Maine, and then I was fortunate enough to play with him for the Wheeling Nailers. Nowadays, he's on Wall Street, um, and he also is a co-founder of Top Line Hockey, which uh, we'll get into both of those as we go into this week uh, or into this episode. Leaner, thanks for uh, for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me here. I'm uh, pumped to finally get on the show. Yeah, it's been a little bit of time going back and forth and and getting the time set up. It's uh, good to finally get this down. Um, you uh, you're a guy, yeah, that you've you've really I think transitioned well. You know, as you've uh, you know we've talked uh, a little bit leading up to this uh, to us sitting down here, but you're uh, you're very busy. Obviously, doing full time during the week um, with UBS. You said right, um, right. And then with top line on the weekends and obviously probably mornings and nights as well. Um, you know, and, and that kind of hustle, I kind of always remember you having that kind of mindset, you know, whenever we were playing, um, just kind of talking about the different, uh, different kind of little things that you'd always side hustles and whatnot that you've always kind of come up with. I wanted to know, cause you grew up really close to New York city. Um, how much of just being around that environment kind of influenced you and, and your mindset? Yeah, I think that was pretty much everything for me, right? Like you see, you know, a lot of the parents and and the people who have made it here and and the hustle and bustle and how fast paced the city is. And um, it's somewhat inspiring. And I think, you know, it's not for everyone, but it was something that, you know, I always aspired to be a part of. And, you know, uh, flash flash forward probably 10 years now and and now I'm part of it. And it's definitely a grind, but, you know, it's, it's definitely rewarding. So. Right. Yeah. It is very fast paced. I've only been there a couple of times, but I can, um, you know, just remember, remember that pace, you know, it can, it can seem exhausting. Obviously having, you know, spent so much of your childhood there as well, probably some, uh, something that you're a little bit more used to. Um, was there anything like just growing up as far as just exposure to, to maybe, you know, maybe a fluent lifestyle or, or, you know, um, business, business success that, that you're around that, that you knew that this was something that you wanted to pursue? Yeah, I think, well, obviously, you know, on the finance part of it, my uncle had a couple of best friends that were in the industry and worked on Wall Street. And um, I got the chance to hang out with them at a very young age. And I always looked up to them and kind of liked their lifestyle. And then, you know, when I got to high school, I had two coaches that were both, you know, on Wall Street as well. And, um, you know, those guys were huge mentors for me. I, you know, kept in touch with them throughout my college career. I did an internship with one of them and um, they kind of showed me the ropes and, and introduced me to the right people for, you know, when eventually when my career ended, I was able to step into um, step into finance. And I think obviously it's not the most natural progression. You know, a lot of, a lot of people have to, have to take, you know, a ton of internships and, and do a ton of things to even, you know, get a foot in the door. And, and for me, um, it was always about relationships and, and people who could help you get there. And obviously, you know, you have to play the part and you have to, you know, do the job and do the work and, um, you know, but the relationships are what get you there and give you the opportunity. So, 
uh, you know, hats off to those guys. They really kind of molded me and, and helped me become what I am today. Right. Yeah. That's awesome to, to be exposed to just that uh, great positive role models uh, in your life, especially at a critical age like that, like you said, in, in high school and then those type of years um, and just obviously introducing, you know, relationships are, are so important. And a lot of times it is who, you know, more, more so than, than what, you know, you know, as, as I'm sure that you found out how much more you've learned now that you've, you know, gotten the job as opposed to what you needed to know to, to get the job, right. It was more that you show, um, you know, the skill set that you, that you have, that you're capable of uh, bringing to the table that separates you from, from some of these other guys, you know, and I'm sure hockey and being a hockey player has a lot to do with that. Um, you know, is there, is there much of a, a team atmosphere in the finance world or is it, uh, you know, kind of, kind of a lone wolf in there? No, well, in particular, in my desk, it's definitely a team atmosphere. You know, in a lot of ways, it's kind of like a locker room on the floor and guys kind of giving each other a hard time. And, and especially, you know, when the days get slow, I think the camaraderie in the room is, is much like a hockey team, right? Like it, it's something that you want to be a part of. It's, it's fun to be around. And, um, you know, I, I think the desk for me was so natural of getting on it because of all my experiences growing up within the locker room. Right. Yeah, that's uh, that's cool. Is there a lot of uh, getting together outside of work as well, uh, grabbing drinks, grabbing dinner, those kind of things? Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, you want to keep a, a tight knit to the group and, and you want everyone to, to like each other because I think that's what, you know, makes it such a special and fun place to work at. So, um, yeah, I think on any given night, guys are getting out together. There's, you know, full team events every now and then, but um, more so the small groups, like little kind of not so much clicky, but, you know, grab a few beers with a guy or get out and have dinner with someone and um, kind of part of the job. No different than a hockey team, right? You got roommates, you got stallmates, line mates. Those guys are always maybe a little bit, um, you know, have a closer relationship within the team, you know, even though everyone uh, gets along so well. Um, you want to take you back to, to hockey, maybe maybe your time at University of Maine, maybe what went into how you ended up at the University of Maine and, and what you took maybe school-wise and, and just kind of uh, get into the experience that you had there. Yes. Well, obviously, University of Maine is a super special place to play hockey and, and be a student athlete. Um, for me, it, it all started my junior year in high school. I was up at a, a tournament in Toronto and um, I had a bunch of teams that showed interest in me and some were in the Q, some were in the O and um, obviously a few colleges as well. Uh, I had spoken to one of my mentors that I'd mentioned before and they kind of pushed me the college route over major junior, which, you know, turned out to probably be a better decision down the road for me. Um, and I remember probably the summer of my junior year, I went to a few like showcase camp type things. And, you know, after that year, I probably had six or seven, you know, division one offers. And, um, obviously a few of those schools were hockey East and, you know, that was kind of always my goal was, to be, you know, hockey's athlete. And, um, I went, I did a visit. So I was at Dartmouth camp and then I did a visit to Boston college, Providence and Maine all in the same weekend. So I got to see all of the facilities. I went up to Maine and, you know, I just felt at home there. I think coach Whitehead and, and his crew did a good job of making me feel comfortable and making me feel wanted. And, you know, I, I think, when you look at it, right. And you take a step back, it's all about like who wants you and where you think your future is going to go. Cause I think for all of us, like we all want to play in the NHL. So, you know, if you're starting off on your back foot there and 
um, there it's like a, maybe he's going to play or this or that, then, you know, maybe that's not the right place for you. And, and maybe you got to look elsewhere. But for me, you know, Maine was always saying the right things to me. I, I like the campus a lot. Um, it was pretty far away from New York, obviously. And, and the lifestyle was a little bit different. So that was kind of an adjustment, but, you know, outside of that, I just think of seeing the Alphonse and, and, you know, being in a hockey specific market, that was kind of the draw for me. Yeah, Alphon. I mean, for me, I think maybe still to this day, the favorite, my favorite rink that I've ever played in, uh, especially just from like a road perspective. Um, the atmosphere there was always um, crazy. And you don't, I mean, especially at that point, I think, you know, you had Vermont maybe a little older, but like just a really old school barn, you know, and you didn't really get that feel like CPU, you know, again, this was so nice, but but Walter Brown would really would have been cool to play in, right? Just to get that. It was just a different, different atmosphere with those old, uh, old buildings and and just like warm-ups and that balcony being full. I just, uh, I have a lot of fond memories of, of playing there in that atmosphere. I can see why, uh, why it might've been an easy, easy uh, place to fall in love with when you went on a, when you went on a visit. Um, and when you, when you went uh, to school there and, and you took, uh, decided on a major, were you, were you thinking about like, you'd already picked out finances that that was the path that you're going to take no matter what after hockey, regardless of what happened with your, uh, with your playing career? Yeah. So, so my parents had owned a business. Um, it was auto body shops and stuff like that. And I always had like kind of that in the back of my head, like, you know, I could step into something that's, you know, already running, you know, it's, it's something that my family has done forever, but for me, it just didn't feel right. It's, it wasn't something that I had a, a ton of interest in, you know, I always kind of liked the markets and, you know, being involved with how the world works. I, I thought that was pretty interesting. And, um, you know, I think that was the natural progression. So I went into economics. So I was an economics major in Maine business school. Um, and then just for purposes, I, I just kind of, kind of went out of that and was just like broadly business. Um, but I did, I, I took a lot of finance, accounting and, uh, economics classes in my time there. Right. That's sweet. Yeah. It's, uh, it's cool just because like when I went to school, I had absolutely no, no clue, um, as far as what I was really going to do, you know, there's a couple of things that seemed cool. And um, especially in the first couple of years, you know, you just kind of take general things. It would have been a lot better, I think, to to have known and, and had a little bit better direction looking back on it. Obviously, um, uh, you know, once you finish that up, you know, you went on to play uh, pro hockey. That's where that's where we met. Um, you know, we'd obviously played against each other in college, but, um, you know, we, we ended up playing together in Wheeling. Um and with your pro pro career, what was that transition like? Did you, especially your, your last year playing, um, and as you transitioned uh, into your your career now, that's that's after hockey. Um, what was that year like for you? Did you did you know going into that year that that you know maybe this was your last year, or had you planned on on pushing through uh, you know for a few more years and seeing where it was at? What what kind of happened that year? Yeah. It, so it was tough for me. Like, uh, I think I right out of like flashback right out of college, I went out to Bakersfield and I got like a little taste at the end of my senior year in college, um, you know, playing out there. And uh, obviously at that point, like hockey was at the forefront of my mind. I still, you know, wanted to grind and move up the ranks. And, um, and then that next summer when Clarkie reached out to me and, and offered me a spot, uh, you know, I was pretty pumped to get to Wheeling. I thought obviously the Penguins run a really good system and um, they're able to move guys up and down. And, 
I thought there was going to be, you know, decent opportunity there. And I, I was super pumped to get in. And obviously, you know, when I met you, I, I, in a lot of ways, looked up to you. I thought, you know, we're not the same player, but offensively minded. And, you know, I watched you on the power play and stuff like that when I first got there. Um, and I really liked that group. So I, I couldn't have asked for, for a better start to my pro career. Now, um, my senior year at Maine, I was kind of running into some groin injuries and that kind of carried on to the year we played together. And I think I wound up getting surgery that year, like mid season, which is never a good look. I was like taping my legs together for, for a large portion of those games. Um, and then after that year, there was like a, a futures deal for, you know, one of our guys, we got Mayo in the middle of the season and then Brampton could take whoever they wanted next season. Um, and they took my rights. And then I remember Torquato was going over to Europe and um, he kind of mentioned to me that, you know, they were looking for another North American forward. Um, I kind of fit the mold. Uh, so I kind of, you know, thought that was pretty interesting and, and jumped at that and, and went out there. But, you know, I, I think in a lot of ways, I never really let my groin heal up. And I was fighting, fighting that injury over there. And I think, you know, for whatever reason, the trainers um, in that specific city weren't, you know, weren't what I needed at the time. And, I, you know, I wound up playing injured for another season. And um, halfway through the year, I just felt like I was letting my life get away from me a little bit, um, meaning that, you know, I was far away from the NHL, um, far away from my family, far away from a lot of my friends, aside from the few that I had on the team there. Uh and, and that was kind of my breaking point. You know, it, it got to a point where hockey wasn't, it wasn't fun to go to the rink. And, you know, for me, hockey was always the most fun I've ever had doing anything. So um, I kind of had to take a step back and, and figure out what I wanted in my future and, um, you know, take it back to, to all those people that I looked up to and, and that were successful and, and raising families and stuff like that. I, you know, maybe I was, a little bit mature for my age, or maybe I was a little immature in making a decision, you know, so on the spot, but, you know, for me, I thought walking away from the game, you know, at that time was, was the right move for me. And, um, I got on a plane back to New York. I, I called the coach up and I said, listen, man, like, I, I just can't do this anymore. And, and that was it. And I, I kind of went home. I, I took, you know, I think I took a month off kind of just digesting everything and, um, I had a few calls back from the coast and they wanted me to join their teams. And I think I played one last game, you know, I, I drove up to Adirondack or something to meet the team. And I think I got like three shifts in the game playing as the 13th. Just like, God, I, I didn't come back for this. So I, uh, I, um, you know, that was it. And I, I joined UBS probably a few weeks later, it got, you know, got a, got an interview call, went in, did like seven more interviews. And then, you know, eventually got a seat, uh, a seat on a desk at UBS and, and the rest is history. Right. Yeah. That's amazing. What a, uh, what a story, I guess, really. I, re I remember you always being, uh, you know, with the injuries and the groins, because obviously when I went through my groin injury, you and I chatted quite a bit just about surgery and, and things like that. Cause that's something that you, uh, you dealt with. Uh, as well. I think that's so uh, interesting, obviously, because now, you know, I'd love to, to chat about top line and, and something that you, um, you know, you found in, and you found your way back to the game. 
Um, and, and just saying that, you know, towards the end of your, your playing career, you know, maybe losing some of the passion or maybe just the spark, um, you know, that, that the game had always provided for you. And then now, um, you know, from a business perspective and, you know, you said you grew up around business, um, you know, with your parents and, and the auto body shops and, and now to, to have your own business and then for it to be hockey and to kind of merge those two worlds, um, you know, and especially with your, your, uh, your work in finance, you know, it just seems like it's kind of a full circle um, deal for you to be, to be back in the game and to be doing what you're doing. And, uh, you know, I'd love for you to, to, to kind of fill, uh, fill me in and fill everyone that, uh, that listens in to, to what top line is and what you guys are doing. Cause I think it's, uh, it's really special, uh, from all the times that we've chatted and, and getting to know kind of what you guys have, have built and, and to, to kind of see it firsthand a little bit too, from where you guys have started in the last couple of years, right. To, uh, to where you are now and where you guys are going. It's really impressive. So I'll leave it to you. Yeah, definitely. Um, so top line is a through and through hockey company with a uh, focus on small group and private training. Um, so we kind of attack the lesson space there. Um, that being said, we have, a, a, there's a multiple facets to our business and obviously, you know, that goes as you progress and as you grow out your team and have more resources, but, uh, so how it started, you know, it was 2020, like right in the middle of the pandemic, um, do you know Crawley at all? In the Rangers? Uh, yeah, yeah. I played against them. I think we were like in a summer league a couple of times. We might have played against each other and whatnot. So Brandon's one of our friends from back home. He introduced us to a guy that owned a gym um, locally in Fairlawn, New Jersey, which is probably like 25 minutes outside the city. Um, and Justin and myself had already had top line. Um, Justin Selman's my business partner at Top Line. We started it probably in 2016 and we're just doing like a couple small camps every summer just to kind of have some spare change and, and, you know, be able to make it through the summer. Um, but never really had like a facility or anything like that. It was never really like a legitimate business. You know, the on ice stuff was great. The product was great, but there was, you know, no structure around anything. So fast forward back to 2020. Brandon introduced us to a guy, Crawley's like, hey, listen, like I'm still playing. I'm not going to have time to do all this. The BlackRock guy who owns the gym, you know, we connected because of the finance thing. Uh, and, you know, he had a gym in the middle of a pandemic that he had just started that was pretty much going to go belly up if, you know, if we didn't drive business in there. So he was like, hey, guys, like this is kind of the idea. This is how we're running the model. And then we pitched him on putting a glyce rink inside his facility. And, you know, he thought it was a great idea. We didn't really know how big it was going to be at first. So uh, when we started, we had some contacts from, from the, the business back when it was just camps. We got them to come down. We put in the rink. We did, we structured it around like 90 minute classes where you do 45 minute lesson um, in the bigger gym and then 45 minutes on the Gleiss, more focused on like hands, shooting. Um, the Gleiss product is actually pretty good for skating. Like I think people do skating lessons on it. Ours was a bit too small. It's like 2000 square feet. So we just focused on like stick handling, skating uh, or stick handling, scoring, and then just kind of like in tight hands, stuff like that. Your skills, yeah all that stuff. Um, and then as it's, it started getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and I had to hire more and more resources. So I, I had RJ Burns who played at Geneseo and, and played a little bit in the coast. He flew up from Florida. He joined us full time. Um, we had Austin block on our staff for a little bit who obviously played at UNH. And then, um, he, 
played in uh, Finland and then in the coast and, and hopped around a bit. Um, and then we had Mike Gillespie join us, who's still playing in France. Um, Bo Starrett, who was a draft pick of the Blackhawks. And, um, and it just kept going and going. And I think what we didn't realize was like how big of a monster Jersey hockey has become. Like it's quite comparable to the football here, right? Like it's, it's largely competitive people, you know, want, they want their kid to be the best. There's a lot of good teams, a lot of AAA talent around here. And we kind of saw this like little niche of making it more like, instead of just, you know, grabbing one guy and, and saying like, okay, like I could do a one-on-one here or there, like structure around an actual training facility where these people could go drop off their kids and let us, you know, do the training and worry about like the future of their kids' seasons and stuff like that. And just teaching them, you know, what it means to really be a hockey player, not just the stuff on the ice, like how, what you're putting in your body, like the mobility stuff, injury prevention, like anything and everything. We were like touching on it, touching on it, touching on it. And then building out our team, hired a PT guy full time. We hired, you know, guys to do video, like anything and everything we have now, like today I was at a class and we have a DJ in there, like DJing the gym space. Like, it's just, it's kind of crazy, like how it evolved, but so we went and we operated out of the New Jersey location for a year. And then um, we got an opportunity to get into uh, like an ice rink. They had a space upstairs that was call it 2,500 square feet that we could put, you know, the gym that we needed in there. And then they had two big ice sheets. Um, and I think we, we signed and moved everything out of the one location, like within two months, like, and had a full facility built out and ready to go. Uh, so now we're in New York and we've been operating out of the New York location for two and a half months now. Um, you know, it's quite amazing that you could look at like any class on our schedule and they're pretty much booked out. Um, and I think it's just like a testament to the team that we have and the staff we have, like people want to train with these guys cause they care and they're, you know, they're fresh out of the game, a lot of them. And, and the ones who aren't like myself, like, you know, I have that fire again to play. So like when I'm on the ice, like I'm moving and I, and I like that. And I think that's kind of what separates us, uh, us from, from other training companies around here locally is like, we're doing it and showing the kids like something to look up to and, and the pace of play and, and how things can look and how fast it could be done. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's a sign of motivation for some kids. I think we had three kids our first year that, uh, that got pulled into play for that U 17 NTDP team. And this year we have like five kids that were drafted the USHL. So like, uh, it's nice when you get to work with high caliber athletes that really want to train and get after it. And I can, I think that's kind of, you know, that's, what's most rewarding about this, this job for me. And I think for most of the team. Right. No, that's, uh, that's awesome. And you mentioned just what kind of separates you guys from the, from the competition um, and just with social media and how that much plays a, a factor in the way that business is conducted these ways. And especially what you guys do, obviously with, with how uh, cool, video can make uh can make hockey look right what uh as far as personal branding working a lot of kids that grow that grew up with social media and that's what they do right they're very good at it from a young age they understand the the importance of of personal branding and and from your perspective as a business just building a brand and and kind of how social media has kind of played a factor um i i would say maybe more so from from for the individual for the individual player and realizing that they they are 
a brand themselves and how that's uh, you know, all these young kids kind of understand that so, so quickly. Yeah, obviously that's huge. I think like all of my coaches, I, I tell them every day, like, you know, your personal brand is, is just important as top line in itself. Like people who are training with you want to know about you. They want to know what you're doing. They want to know like, you know, any, anything and everything. And it's so accessible these days with the phones and a kid, you know, there's eight year olds that come in and they have cell phones and stuff like that. And they're like, I follow you on top line. It's like, this is, this is a beast. So like, of course, like that, that's kind of, you know, we're always focusing on our branding and, um, you know, how to look good in the public eye, if you will. Um, and a lot of that stuff on the ice comes easy, right? Like all that, the social media stuff and, and, you know, being cool or whatever you want to call it and being kind of ourselves. And this is, you know, because I think the identity of the brand is a lot like, you know, Justin and myself's personal image. We kind of, you know, just kept it in line with things that we found tasteful and, you know, stuff we don't like, we, we just stay away from. But um, you don't really realize how how much of a business this is, you know, showing up to the rink and throwing on your skates and going out and doing the lesson. Like that's the easy part, right? Like there is just so much stuff that we didn't even know or think about. And obviously uh, a lot of the stuff that just, you know, I walk into UBS and it's already done for me. Like that's all stuff that we have to do. And like, we have to find the time and the resources and the money and everything to just, make sure all that stuff is handled. And I think, you know, the biggest thing is scheduling, just scheduling in itself, how difficult of a monster that thing is. So like, you know, you're, you're battling against age differences, skill differences, time differences, like there's so much that goes into it. And I think, you know, Justin being full-time um, and a partner in the business, he handles a lot of that burden. So, um, you know, obviously I'm grateful to have, you know, such a, such a competent partner that could really, you know, handle the stress of that because it is a big load. Right. Yeah. I found that uh, even just like personally, you know, how just time management and being able to to, to schedule things and just the efficiency and just how much of a difference that really makes. Right. And how much chaos when it's not done properly, um, you know, and how much that, that smooths things out. Um, I want to thank you uh, so much for, for coming on here and chatting with me, man. Um, it's been a while obviously since, since, uh, since we connected and, and um, you know, I know you're busy, I'm busy, but um, you know, to hear kind of where you're at with top line and, and just to kind of hear the backstory a little bit too of, of uh, where you guys have started and where you guys have, uh, have gotten it to. Um, and I'm very excited to see where you guys are going and maybe uh, somewhere down the line, we can have you back on and, and we can um, talk about where you guys are at uh, at that point and, and catch up again. But um, before you go, I do want to uh, ask you uh, a favorite cafe or restaurant um, of yours that you want to give a bit of a shout out Um you know, show some love to and we can tag them on social media and throw a little love their way and let them know that uh, if you're ever in the area, Connor Lean highly suggests. And you are a bit of a foodie too. So yeah, this is, a, this is kind of a sick recommendation because you're, you know what you're talking about. You're a guy that likes to get around to and, and try different things. And, and so I'm excited. So this was good timing because obviously, you know, being in New York, I think obviously this might be the food capital of the world, right? Like it's a, it's a blend of cultures and, you know, there's so many amazing places to eat. Um, now that I moved out of Manhattan and I'm in Hoboken, I'm going to give some love to, to the Hoboken crowd here. Um, 
and I actually just picked it up today. So I'll, I'll send you a picture of it right at, right when we get off. Maybe you can post it with this episode, but I got, and it's, it's for my athletes out there. This is not something I would recommend, but uh, <laughs> it's a deli, a deli in Hoboken called Fiore's. It's an old school Italian deli through and through. Yeah. Um, and they make a roast beef and moth sandwich fresh with, uh, with like gravy on it. Yeah. And I'm a fan of roast beef. Like I don't really like it. Yeah. And this thing is to die for it. And they do it only on Thursdays and Saturdays. So if you're in town, you know, make sure it's a Thursday or Saturday. I think that, you know, only the locals know that I want to say, oh, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> I like having that kind of, kind of Intel, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's some home cooking right there. That's uh, and uh, you're like a cutlet guy or a deli, right? Usually. Dude. I'll, I mean, you're always sub, like, you're like the sub guy. Like if there's going to it's burger guys, there's pizza guys. You're like the fucking, you're the sub guy. Yeah. That's one thing. Like I never really was able to reel in like the, the being super conscious about my diet. Like I would always kind of just fall off the rails like quick. And I yeah. still do. It. I remember. <laughs> yeah. I, the things that are wrong with it. And that, that was kind of going to lead up to the, the next question. Like the coffee, like I drink it here and there, but I'm not like a coffee snob. Like there's a few good places around here. I think one's called like city of saints. Like I get coffee every now and then, cause they have like the CBD droplets. But like, by the time I'm done, like making my coffee with all like the little things that they could put in it, like the additives, it's like $13. So I'm like, what am I doing? Like, yeah, it's yeah. like but, uh, but yeah, I think like to go, to go back, like definitely a deli guy, love deli, chicken cutlet sandwiches, all that. And yeah, that's, yeah. My grand- grandmother for that, dude, she, uh, she kind of put me on the straight path to, uh, to a horrible diet in the deli world. <laughs> well, it's uh it's a good thing. And maybe not, not the greatest thing, but, uh, <laughs> good food's good food, man. Um, but all right, we'll make sure I, we tag them up and then let everyone know that, especially the roast beef and mozzarella with gravy to hit that up. I'm, I'm going to, and then, you know, hopefully down the road, we could get you down here and do a, a little top line clinic or something. We'd love to have a, we'd oh, love yeah. to have it. Great. We'll get it. We'll get it done up soon here. Perfect. All right, brother. Thanks brother. Right. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Please like share, subscribe, or leave a review down below.